Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. privilege to be able to share, to preach this morning as our, our lead pastors are away on much needed and deserved vacation. Um, <laughs> I was texting Chad this morning and he was like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. I'm like, I'm jealous of you because it snowed last night. <laughs> and he, he sent me this picture right before service. He's like, this is my view. <laughs> I'm like, great, thanks a lot. I don't even have 10 seconds to re- like return a snarky remark because <laughs> we're about to start. But uh, I'm excited to bring the word to you this morning. I really feel that God has put a word on my heart. And uh, my prayer is that you know, you'd have open eyes, open ears, and an open heart to receive it. We're in this series called Engage. Can you say Engage. Engage. This, this is a word that we really feel that God has given to Pastor Chad and us as a staff and then the broader church body as well for 2022. You know, we've been talking about it for a number of months now and uh, we're not quite done yet, but some co- topics that we've covered in, in the realm of engage is how we're engaging with God, engaging with our community, engaging within the church body. And today we're talking about engaging others. And this morning, as we talk about engaging others, I specifically want to talk about what it means to reach people intentionally. There's actually intention behind what God has called us to do. And now I'm a bit of an unorthodox preacher. Uh, I believe that, you know, God has given me some valuable words to share, but I also believe that he's given you a story and your ideas and your thoughts are also valuable. So I always ask a question at the beginning. And what I want you to do is not shout it out at me, but I want you to talk amongst yourselves for about 30 seconds to a minute. And the question is this, who is a person that has inspired you and why? Who is a person that has inspired you and why? You've got 30 seconds to a minute. Go and share that story with your neighbor and then meet me back up here in a little bit. Awesome. So let me maybe hear one or two, maybe from this side first. Who's somebody that's inspired you in your life? We'll get, we'll get to you. We'll get to you. Somebody on this side. Somebody that's inspired you. Just yell it out. Mom, how has mom inspired you? Oh, her faith was strong. That's awesome. Okay. You got one? You got one? Yeah, that's awesome. You can clap for that. That's good. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, teacher and coworker. You know, how have they inspired you? Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Coworker led you to the Lord. You said a smelly old meat factory. <laughs> hey, that's awesome. That's amazing. So good. Hey, uh, I have so many people that have been leaders and mentors and people that have inspired me. One that I just want to make mention of. You may know this name. You may not. You'll get to know it in the future, I'm sure. Is a guy named Pastor Jason Small. And uh, a number of years ago, before I was able to come to Bethel um, to be the assistant pastor here, I interned right out of the Bible college with Jason. And then I begged him for a job because I loved him so much. And uh, he hired me for 12 hours a week, and it was awesome. It was so awesome. Uh, he had no reason to hire me, but he saw something in me, and uh, I, I really love Jason. Jason is now actually our district superintendent of the Western Ontario District of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Try and say that time, 10 times fast, right? <laughs> that means that he's got a really important job because the title's really long. All right, and so, so Jason now is kind of like the pastor of all of the lead pastors in Western Ontario, which is funny because it's split 
on Young Street, which is like, you know, the biggest street basically in Ontario. Um, but before he moved to this position and was voted in for this position, he had planted Waterdown Community Church and he pastored that for about 12 to 13 years. And Jason intentionally reached people. Now, let me give you some examples of some amazing things that I have dotted uh, down in my journals and my notebooks that I'm like, man, I just love these kinds of ideas, okay? Intentional ideas of how he reached the community and others. Number one, anybody been to Rib Fest before? We got, we got an okay one here in Stratford. I grew up in Burlington, and we had a huge one. Like, I used to, like, beg my mom, Mom, please give me $50 so I can get a giant rack of ribs. I just, I love, I love meat. I was texting with somebody the other day, and they were like, hey, we want you to come over for dinner. Uh, we're meatitarians. I was like, sign me up, man. Sign me up. I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, but Rib Fest would come through Waterdown as well. Here's something amazing. The church was the volunteers. There were some other people, but the majority of people that made Ribfest run, other than cooking and flipping the ribs, was us, the church. We intentionally did something that the city needed. Another one was Jason was uh, the Chamber of Commerce. He was the lead for that. And I don't know exactly how this works, so I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure you can't do two consecutive runs as the leader of that. And they liked him so much that they gave it to him. Which I was like, he broke the law somehow, which was awesome. Another one that we did was he, he and his wife, uh, Carla, another pastor there, they had started this thing called Movies in the Park. And they would partner with the, the city and the Legion, and they would rent this giant blow-up movie screen. We've done it here in our parking lot a few times over the years or in the gym if the weather's bad. And we would bring out this giant stage on this old farm, like horse trailer kind of thing that we kind of chopped off. And... If you stood on that as it went down the road, you were like really bounced. Like there was no shocks, just giant truck tires. And it, it, was, it was amazing. We did these arts and craft stations. We had the popcorn machine, eh, the popcorn machine and cotton candy, bouncy castles. We had people um, from Waterdown and the surrounding areas have like, um, they would come and do music or open mic. And it was amazing. There were all of these really intentional events and programs and things that we would come up with as a staff to engage intentionally with other people at the church. But here's the thing, the root of what Pastor Jason inspired me with. He had a lot of great ideas. He thought outside the box. But really what it came down to is his character is what inspired me. And today when I was kind of assigned this task of what, it, what does it mean to reach people with intentionality, the first thought that crossed my mind was this. Anyone that has character is worth following. Anyone, with follow, anyone worth following has character. And usually the kind of character that we see in somebody that inspires us, that we go, wow, there's something different about them. The rest of the world, though all the different circles, our family, our friends, our coworkers, our social circles, even within our church circles, there's something different about this person. They stand out among all the other people in my life, and I want what they have. See, we could do, you know, a, a, a five-dot-jot thing this morning of how to, you know, become really, like, inspirational and evangelize to people and how to host the most, you know, uh, the biggest event that people are going to come to at the church. But I don't really think that reaching people intentionally is the root I don't, think that, I don't think that's the root, is coming up with the best idea. I think it has to do with what God's doing on the inside. Character. Can you say character? Character. Hebrews 13, 7 says this. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Not their events, not their ideas, not their plans, 
not their goals. Imitate their faith. And as I thought of leaders in my life like Jason, among many other leaders that I was thinking about this week, the kind of fruit that they have produced, that's what's brought me to a place of awe. That's brought me to a place of, wow, I want to be like that. I want to have what they have. And I began to jot uh, a, a big list down this morning of what are all the characteristics of people and leaders and mentors and pastors and just people in my life that I've been inspired by. What characteristics do they have? And I began to write these things down. And then I kind of shortened up the list to three this morning because we can't talk about 300. (laughs) But as we talk about three, I want you to think of maybe the ones that we don't talk about as well this morning. And I want you to jot those down maybe on on your phone or in your head or whatever so that you can go, wow, there's, there's so many great characteristics that God wants to birth in me so that I could reach people with intention. So we're going to talk about three of those characteristics this morning. The first one is that if we want to reach people intentionally, to engage with others, we need to be people of mission. Can you say mission? Mission. We need to be people of mission. This is where this comes from. Matthew 28, 16, 20 in the NIV. It's titled The Great Commission. It says this. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him there, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'd like to start off with the characteristic of being missional this morning. I think this is where it all starts, because these were the last words that Jesus had shared with his disciples. Go and make other disciples. Show them what it means. Pass on the characteristics that you've seen in me through to yourself and then on to others. And that went to the disciples and then, you know, with the rest of the apostles and then the early church leaders and fathers. And then eventually it comes to us today. Matthew 28 is the centerpiece of what we would call our calling. And I know we've used this word calling within church circles for ages now. And I think sometimes it's been distorted a little bit because Yes, God wants to, you know, pursue specific things in your life, whether that might be a career or a relationship. But at the root of it, the call of God for humanity is that we would love him and help others love him, right? It's, we've, we've overcomplicated it, but our call is that. And I think that because that word has been distorted, it's, been, uh, it's given us a bit of a disservice when, we, when we're trying to understand what our mission is in life. So I, wanna, I want to really substitute that word call this morning, not because it's bad or wrong, but just because it's been misunderstood for so long. I want to substitute that word call for the word mission. And perhaps as we think about the mission that God has given us, we're going to understand it in a new light this morning. So what's the mission that Jesus has for us? Our mission is to introduce people to him. And help develop their faith into having a strong relationship with the Father. Let me read that again. Our mission is to introduce people to God and to help their faith into having a strong relationship with the Father. In common church lingo, we would use this word discipleship. You heard the word discipleship. Of course, you've probably taken a class or two or ten in some kind of form over your life if you've been going to church for a while on discipleship. But in the Greek, what this actually means, and maybe you want to try and pronounce it, the next slide on the screen is mathetuo. Anybody want to try and say that? Mathetuo? 
<laughs> not too bad. It's not too, too hard of a Greek word. But the, the word dis, or disciple really means teach, instruct, and become disciplined in. So disciple is somebody who's disciplined in the things that Jesus had taught, right? It's pretty easy. So to be intentional with reaching people, it's first got to start with understanding the mission that Jesus has given his church, a.k.a. you and me. Here's where I've noticed things have gone wrong, and people might misunderstand it. There's at times where I've misunderstand it or misunderstood it, and maybe you have gotten this confused as well in your life. When we understand that our mission is to reach people, you can easily, we can easily slip into this trap where we treat people like they're projects. It's like, okay, I understand, God, that you want me to go and reach other people, and I'm going to do it with intentionality. So when I go and, you know, be friendly to somebody, I have this agenda that, you know, this person is now my project, and I'm the one that's got to save them and lead them to the Lord. Can I tell you something? Jesus never treated anybody like a project. He never treated a single person, when we read in the Gospels, like, in pro- like a project. The way that Jesus interacted with people that didn't have the same relationship to the Father that he had. He didn't, he didn't, like, he didn't keep like a scoreboard, you know, and a timeline of like, okay, by next September, I want to get this far into leading them to the Lord, and I, I have this tally chart at the end of my life if I did all of these things. No, 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 no. People are not projects. You know, there's too many conversations that I've personally sat in as a pastor with other Christians who first I truly believe deeply love the Lord. I know they have a zeal, a passion for the Lord and for the mission of the community and the people that are around them. I've sat in conversations with people where they glow because they really do love people. But they have created this gap when I'm in this conversation of us and them kind of attitude, kind of mindset. It's an us and them. And this, this gap that creates just in our language and the way that we see other people and, and, and try and be missional and try and be intentional, this is what leads to treating people like projects. When it's a you and them kind of scenario. When it's a you versus them kind of mindset. Let me remind you this morning that you cannot save anybody. <laughs> I cannot save anybody. Like, thank God. That salvation was not on my shoulders because we, are, we, ain't all, we would not be here this morning, <laughs> right? Like it should, it should make you happy this morning that Jesus is your savior, that Pastor Carlo is not your savior, <laughs> that Jesus is your savior, right? Jesus is our savior. It's by his works only that we have access to a full relationship with the Father, So if we want to reach people with intention, we know that has to first start with understanding the mission that God has given his people. And if we want to, you know, go and do that mission, we need to understand that people are not projects. So how do we treat people not as projects? How do we do that? Here's a few things that I want to say, two things, and it's going to challenge your way of thinking, okay? I've been very convicted in the last couple of years by this personally. So as I'm offering you this idea this morning, it's not concrete. You do not have to copy-paste this and add to your life. I want to let you know, as your pastor this morning, you can disagree. <laughs> like, you can, you can amen. <laughs> I got some amens there. <laughs> Good timing, right? Here's two thoughts. Something that God has convicted me in that's helped me not treat people like projects as I'm on mission. Number one, God asked me this question. Carlo, how do you view people? How do you view them? When you see others that are not like you, 
that don't look like you, talk like you, act like you, or believe anything that you believe? What goes through your mind? This is a question that God had asked me. How do you view people? Do you see them as a child of God? Do you see them the way I see them? Or, Carlo, do you see them in some other way? That was conviction number one. How do you view people? Number two, this is the big one. How do you speak of people? You know, language is the primary way in which we communicate what we're thinking and what we're feeling, right? Not all of us are, I don't think many of us are really good at at doing that, but language, our speech, what we say, is usually the most common way we communicate. I've been really convicted about this the last couple years of choosing my words carefully when I'm expressing what I think and what I feel, especially when it's in view of other people. So let me give you this idea. Um, A number of years ago, I had um, just taken out the word volunteer from my vocabulary. And if I say it now, I normally catch myself and I go, whoop, and I step back and I go, that's not what I want to say. I do not call my uh, my, my team or, or youth leaders that come every Wednesday and give up of their time away from their family or jobs. I don't call them volunteers. I don't think there's anything wrong with the word volunteer. I think it has a place, but I don't think they're volunteers. They're much more than that. So I don't view them. I don't speak of them as volunteers. I speak of them as leaders. I speak of them as team members. Here's why. Because volunteer implies that when you come on Wednesday, you're doing me a favor. And you're doing the church a favor. Well, I'm here to give you my time and to help out because, you know, you can't do it all by yourself. Maybe, maybe not. At the end of the day, I'm going to have to do it whether you show up or not. But the, the point is this. I don't see you as a volunteer because I don't see that you're just coming here to do the church a favor. I see you as a leader and I see you as a team member because you have purpose and potential. Because you have purpose. You're not coming on Wednesday to do me a favor. You're coming on Wednesday because I believe in you. And you have a gift, and God wants to do something with that gift. So I've dropped the word volunteer from my vocabulary. In regards to our mission and reaching other people intentionally, there's a few more words like volunteer that I've, I've dropped from my vocabulary. And this is where I think it might stretch you this morning, and that's okay. That's okay. So you're allowed to disagree. It's no big deal. But at least I would love for you just to be open to this thought and let it spark something in your mind to get it ticking, okay? When I'm talking about people, especially from the platform, that do not believe the same thing that I do, I do not refer to people as lost. I don't refer to them as non-Christians or anything of the sort. I don't think that's bad. I don't think that's wrong. I understand why we use that kind of language or those kinds of words like lost and non-Christians when we're talking about other people that aren't like us necessarily. I understand where that's come from and why we've done that in our faith. But my perspective... And with my life, I've been convicted of that because it's done a disservice to my mission. Let me give you an example. If you brought a friend to church today, and you're like, oh, you know, they, they feel like family, and I want to go invite them to meet Pastor Carlo at the end of the message. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shake his hand at the door, and, and I, I want to I I- introduce my friend, okay? You wouldn't come up to me like this. Hey, Pastor Carlo, this is my friend Jerry. I just watched the last episode of Seinfeld last night. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of still, still in my head, right? You want to hear my Seinfeld impression? I've been working on it. Okay. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Come on, Pastor Charlie. <laughs> he just yells and cracks his voice, right? All right, moving on. I'm getting sidetracked here. <laughs> if, you, if you brought your friend Jerry to church this morning, imagine that. 
that Jerry Seinfeld was in church? Ah, I'm getting lost. <laughs> you brought your friend Jerry to church. You want me to meet Jerry after the service. You come up and you say, Pastor Carlo, this is my non-Christian lost friend, Jerry. I would look at you and go, you done goofed. Like, why would, you have never said that. I know you haven't. You would never do that. And that sounds funny. It sounds ridiculous, right? Why do we talk about people like that when they're not here? Ooh. Why do we reference people that don't believe the same thing we do behind their back as lost and non-Christian? I understand where those words have came from. I'm not even saying that it's not biblical or that it's wrong to do that. In my life, I have been convicted of that kind of language because it's done a disservice to my mission. And I would never introduce my friend to you as a non-Christian lost person. I understand what that language represents. But it's just a thought. And again, you're allowed to disagree. I'm not saying you can't ever say that again or you're going to get in trouble if, you, if I hear you say it. Like, that's, that's not my heart this morning. I just want you to start thinking about how your words matter. And when you're on mission, the language you choose to use matters if you want to intentionally reach people. So you got to be on mission. And don't treat people like projects. Next point, people of compassion. Number one, people of mission. Another characteristic that I've seen in, of so many different leaders in my life is people, that they are people of compassion. When we look at the Gospels, I think we need to carefully examine Jesus' life and how he had interacted with others. He was intentional with them through his compassion for them. He was intentional with them through his compassion for them. In fact, this is pretty cool. Many times, Jesus met the needs of a person before he forgave their sin. Was that just by chance? You know, is, was there something intentional that Jesus did? by meeting the needs of a person with his compassion before he said, your sins are forgiven. I believe so. If we go to the book of James, chapter 1, it says this from 19 to 27. This is the New Living Translation. It's titled, Listening and Doing. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save souls. Wow. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. It's about to get real, okay? For if you listen to the word and do not obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and then you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. This is, this, is the, this is the hard part to hear now. If you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. This is the Bible, friends. <laughs> Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress, and refusing to let the world corrupt you. James really spells it out for us this morning, eh? That true religion, real faith, authentic Christianity, is that which is put into action. Let me read you that verse from 21 again. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save souls. 
Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. If you want to intentionally reach people, reach others that are not here this morning for the kingdom of God, it's going to be through the, the character of compassion. Your compassion, friends, is an open door for others to see the love Christ has for them. Your compassion, meeting the needs of somebody else, can be an open door for others to experience the love of Christ. The scriptures have countless examples, time and time and again, where God has chosen his people, his people to reach people. Sometimes, wouldn't it be easier if like we all just got together and prayed and went, okay, Lord, just do a big miraculous sign so all of Stratford could get saved. That would be quick and easy. But what has God chosen to do instead over and over and over again? He could just do that, but he's a loving God. And true love requires freedom of choice, right? What he does instead is he goes, hey, you and you and you, I've called you. I've got a mission for you. I've gifted you. And I want you to be the main way in which I reach people. You, me. God has chosen you to be the main way in which people are introduced to himself. Back in February, with your help as well, Bethel students raised $3,000 for ShelterLink. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a clap moment. Last year, it was about 1500 This year, we doubled it, and then we waxed Bryden and Zach's legs, and it was awesome. <laughs> you can see the recap video if you want on our YouTube channel. We raised 3000 bucks for a youth shelter, a homeless youth shelter in here called ShelterLink, um, which houses at times in Stratford over 100 young people that don't have the luxuries that me and you have most likely of a great family, parents or guardians, roof overhead, and food. And last year at, at youth, we decided to brand February as Love Month. Um, and the whole idea is to show our community compassion. And so the idea is youth taking care of youth. It was a beautiful thing. There's no strings attached. We didn't raise money so that we can go get the opportunity to go in there and preach or do a Bible study. We didn't raise 3,000 bucks so that we could have like this big Christian influence over them. It wasn't anything like that. And I'm not even saying those things are wrong to do. I'm all for that. But that wasn't the goal. The goal was to meet their need first with compassion. And you know, by God's grace, maybe one day we get to share the good news with them in a different kind of way, maybe vocally, verbally. We've got to take care of each other. Got to meet the need first. Maybe you've heard this phrase, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. It's garbage. I don't believe in that. <laughs> now, you might, you might think that, well, Carlo, like, if you raised 3,000 bucks, then shouldn't you have preached the gospel? Maybe, maybe, but we were meeting the need first. I don't agree with preach the gospel, use words if necessary. I really believe that we are to tell people with our words and our language how amazing our God is. With all the different ways we can communicate, I think we should do that, including our words. But I also like to mention the flip side of that. That preaching the gospel with only your words can sometimes you, do you no favors. You ever see that person downtown Toronto on Dundas, and he's just having a, you know, he's having a moment. Don't do that. Like, I know you don't do that, but just don't do that. <laughs> and you might be thinking like, you know, he's like preaching the gospel, putting it all out there. I'm like, yeah, and nobody cares, and nobody is listening to him, and everybody is pointing and laughing and moving by. There's probably a better way that we can be intentional with reaching people. I think it starts with compassion, 
Let that be step one for you. James 2, 14 to 26 says this, Faith without good deeds is dead. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Whoa. Let me read that again. If you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, and then you don't give that person any food or clothing? What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Ah, this hurts this morning. It stings. So first off, James is offering to us this idea that faith without action is useless for mission. Meaning, if your faith does not cause you to do something about it, you are not being intentional. I know this is a hard one to hear this morning. That's okay. 18, if we continue, reads this. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Wow. You know, when I, when I think of, like, some heroes of the faith in the Bible, they all got, like, these kind of, like, wrestler nicknames, like, and next up, John the Baptist. And he's, like, you know, walking down. That's what, that's what I think of when I think of these names. Um, at youth, we've come up with the idea of naming James, James the Savage, okay? And I, I, I know I'm not that old, but in comparison to the students I get to pastor, I don't understand any of their lingo, and I just make a fool of myself. But Savage is kind of like somebody that, like, you know, doesn't beat around the bush. They go right to the point. They're, like, hardcore, okay? So James is a savage because he talks no fluff, and he gets right to the heart of the, the issue. And sometimes reading this, as I've read it to you this morning, if you're taking it seriously, it probably stung a little bit to hear that. That your faith by itself, if you want to reach other people intentionally, is useless, is dead, is of no good. These are the words that the Bible is using. All right? It's not my fault. Blame <laughs> on James. Okay? James gives us this another thought that proof that the proof of your faith is, faith is through your actions. If faith is belief alone, so what? He says, good for you. Even the demons believe in God. The same God you and me worship this morning, the demons believe in him. Mm, right? We're going to finish off, says, from 21. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? That's another sermon. <laughs> you see, his faith and actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it just happened, as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Even, he even was called the friend of God. And here's where I really want you to just to listen in on this last line here. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. In this translation that we just read from, verse 24 says this, 
And I want to just bring some clarity to this. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. The key word here for you to understand what James is saying is the word shown. You are shown to be right with God, which implies that others will know that you are right with God by your actions, by your mission, by your character, by your compassion, by the language that you choose to use. What James is not in stating is that your works will save you. He's not saying that. He's saying that other people will know that God is real when you do something about it, not just talk about it. They go hand in hand because others can't see what you think in your head and your heart. They cannot visually see and understand what you believe in your head and your heart. And I'm not saying that's bad or wrong. We need that faith. Faith is the only thing scripture says pleases God. But if you want to be intentional with reaching others, what you believe in your head and your heart is just half of the equation. The other half of that is action. It's faith put into action. I heard a pastor once say it like this. We are not saved by works, but we are saved for works. We are not saved by works, but we are saved for works. So to be intentional with reaching others requires a kind of character that is compassionate in word and in deed. The third the third characteristic I want to talk about just quickly this morning before we wrap up is to be intentional with reaching others. We need to be a people of presence, a people of God's presence. John 12, verses 12 to 15 says this, and it's titled, Jesus' Triumphant Entry. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city, and a large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. And they shouted, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. You know, today in the Christian calendar, and which is funny that we have calendars, and then we have Christian calendars, and we have you know uh, Christian people and non-Christian people, and we have Christian music and non-Christian music, and we have Christian movies and non-Christian movies, and we have Christian schools and non-Christian schools. This is—I'm not saying any of those things are bad, but you see how we've made this gap or this divide between us and them. Maybe maybe we just need to rethink some of that stuff. But in the Christian calendar, we talked about it a little bit this morning from Pastor Charlie just concluding worship there. Today is Palm Sunday, which is the, the beginning of Holy Week or Passion Week. And though we're not fully talking about that this morning, the scripture that talks about Palm Sunday, I believe actually identifies this crucial characteristic of what it means to be intentional when you want to reach people. And that's people that are in God's presence. As I read this story kind of over and over this week, this is a thought that came to mind. If I knew that Jesus was coming to Stratford, if I heard the news that he was going to show up in Stratford today, how would I prepare myself to meet him? If I knew that Jesus was coming today and he was going to stop in Stratford and he was coming to Bethel, what would I do to prepare to welcome him here? If I knew that Jesus was coming to Stratford today and that he was coming to Bethel and I was going to be in his physical presence, how would I welcome and respond to him being so close to me? How would I do that? 
The people that heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem believed, and they prepared the way for their king. They were literally in God's presence. And how they responded was they responded in worship. It's just a side note. But when you come to church, you know this, but let it be a reminder this morning that when you come to church, prepare to meet with the Lord. Welcome him into your space because God's presence is here. God's presence is here. Something I often say to our students, stuff like this, you're actually supposed to stand out you're called to be different. Your life should not fit in with the rest of the world. And specifically this, your life should be a visible representation of being in God's presence. Your life should be a visible representation of being in God's presence. Why does this matter so much? Being a people of presence. Because the main thing that will set you apart from the rest of the world is not Christian music, movies, calendars, schools, or any of the above. The thing that will set you apart is God's presence in you. God's presence in you. And as you continue to live a life that worships the Lord, others are going to take notice of that. They're going to take notice. They're going to become curious and go, there's something different about that person at work. I know they're a Christian and they go to church, they read the Bible, but man, there's just something different about them. And I'm intrigued by it. I'm curious about that. Then God's going to provide some opportunities. They're going to ask questions. Then they're going to become open and hopefully, then they can experience the same presence that lives inside of you. And we know that worship, right? Worship includes singing. It includes song like we did this morning, which was so beautiful. But a more biblical or, or larger overview of worship is really honoring God in every area of our life, including our words and speech, our finances, our gifts, our opportunities, our family. That's worship, honoring God, letting him be a part of everything. If we want to intentionally reach people, we gotta be people of God's presence. This morning we've looked at three. There's many, many more characteristics. And again, I want you to think about those leaders and mentors and people that have inspired you in your life today and later this week. And start to write down those characteristics that they have. And adopt those. Imitate their faith. We've talked about how in, to, to be intentional with reaching people, you've got to be people that are on mission. You've got to be people of compassion. And you've got to be people of the presence. I want to leave you with one last thought this morning. Everything that we do to be intentional with wanting to reach others, I think can funnel into th- two different categories. Okay, so this characteristics that we just talked about, they're going to funnel into either category one or category two. Category one is this. Intentionality equals time. To have influence, to build trust with somebody, it takes time. This might be unique, but if I know it's somebody's uh, first time at youth, um, I, I might not give them an altar call. They're like, what? Why wouldn't you want to do that? Because they don't know me and I don't know them. I found it to be more intentional to get to know that person first, to get to talk to them about the Lord, to, to help them understand what this faith is all about. And they're still going to have questions. That's not going to be perfect before they accept the Lord. Sometimes I do that, and other times I go, okay, you know what? I just feel like God's put it on my heart that we need to have an altar call this morning, and there's lots of new people at youth. There's not a right or wrong. Just sometimes it's different. Sometimes it's different. But it takes time. Intentionality takes time. 
reaching people takes time. It's not an overnight thing. That's the first funnel. The second funnel is prayer. Can I say this? Out of all the things that I talked about today, they are all secondary in comparison to prayer. Mission is secondary. Compassion is secondary. Presence is secondary. If your heart is not aligned with the Father's heart for community, for others, you're going to miss it. If you do not pray for those that God wants you to reach intentionally, you are joking yourself because you can't do it by yourself. You need to partner your heart with God's heart. It takes time and it takes prayer. And pray like it matters because it matters. Pray like it matters because it does. So let me ask you this question as we just wrap up this morning. Who has God put on your heart? As we're talking about engaging with others, reaching people intentionally, my hope, my prayer for you is that God has put some name in your mind today. And if not, I want you to take 10, 15 seconds because I don't think it should take this long. Who's somebody that doesn't know the Lord that you want to come to see to know the Lord like you do? Just think about that name for a moment. Allow God to write that name down on your heart. So you think about that name. I want to ask you the question. Are you going to be obedient in the mission that God has given you to help intentionally reach that person or those people? How are you going to show compassion to them? I'm all for Bible study. I'm all for the small group. I'm all for coming to church on Sunday, the invite. I'm all for all of those things. They're all really important and really great. But do they have a a need that you can meet? Could you invite them over for a meal? How are you going to show compassion to them? Will you choose to be different by the illumination of God's presence in you? Not by making a divide of Christian and non-Christian stuff or titles. Will you stick out like a sore thumb because you illuminate God's presence? Not because of silly titles. Will you invest your time? Will you say, I will spend the rest of my life loving this person even if I don't get to see the fruit of it? Maybe that's what it takes. And lastly, will you pray? Will you pray for that person or those people that God's put on your heart? Will you pray like it matters because it matters? Let's take a moment and just pray together this morning just as we close. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. God, we thank you that you are here. Lord, thank you for speaking to us this morning. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction you've given us in your word. And Lord, though it is hard to swallow, though it stings to read sometimes. God, we thank you for the mission. God, we humbly accept and say thank you that you want to use somebody like me, somebody like us on your mission to reach people because, Lord, your heart is for people. Your word says that your heart is that none should perish but that all would be in eternity. And God, you've chosen us to be the tool in which we can introduce people to you. So God, may we understand your mission. And Lord, keep us safe in the ways that we treat people. Let us not see people as projects, but will we see them the way you see them? God, would you stir up compassion in us 
as we look to the example of your son, Jesus, and how he was compassionate. God, would we have that same kind of compassion that when we see people that don't think or look, dress like us, talk like us, do things that maybe we would disapprove of or, Lord, you would disapprove of, God, will we show them compassion? Would judgment never leave our mouth or our lips? And Holy Spirit, we just ask right now, I know this is different, but would you just put your hands out, even if you're online, just like you're receiving a gift this morning. God, we ask for a fresh anointing of your presence. God, we know that from that moment that we said yes to grace, your Holy Spirit was kind of ignited inside of us. So God, this morning we ask that we would be full of your presence again as we go into another week, a new week with new opportunities, with new tribulation and and challenge, whatever this week may come. God, we ask that your presence would be so real in every moment, in every conversation. God, we need your presence. God, we are desperate this morning for your presence. You've called us on mission. You've taught us what it means to be on mission, what to do. But God, we can't do it without you. So Holy Spirit, come fill us again this morning. Would you just say, Holy Spirit, fill me? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for those that you put on our mind. God, we ask for opportunity this week to be an influence in those circles with those friends and those people. God, and this is a big prayer. But this year, Lord, I pray that more people than ever before would come to know the grace of your son, Jesus. That we would not have enough room in this building. Lord, we have to plant another church. God, we ask that your hand would be in all of it. Not so it can be a mega church, not so it can be big and fancy, but God, because there's so many more people. Lord, there's 32,000 plus people in Stratford and only a few churches. There's more work to be done. And God, you've called us to be your missionaries. So we ask for a refilling of that presence this morning, of the anointing to do what you called and gifted us to do. And in return, Lord, would we see many, many more come to know the grace and salvation found in your son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 